The last three Mishnahs have been discussing the category of damage called bar, a pit, any obstacle in a public area which causes people to trip on it or to fall into it and be damaged. And when the Torah talks about an animal falling into a pit and that the person who dug the pit is obligated to pay for the damages done to the animal, the Torah talks of an example where an ox or a donkey falls there into the pit. Is that to say that only if an ox or a donkey fall into the pit, then he is obligated? But if a camel or a different animal falls in, then he wouldn't be liable to pay for the damages? That's very unlikely. And the point of this Mishnah is to tell us that both over here and in many other cases in the Torah, where the Torah says an example of an animal or a category of animals, perhaps the Torah says the word behemoth, a domesticated animal, the Mishnah has come to tell us that the, Mish- that the Torah is not being specific and saying that the law only applies in such a case. Rather, it's talking about a common example. So a common animal, especially in those days, would be an ox. That was a standard working animal in the fields. A donkey was a common animal to carry things. So that's why the Torah talked about those animals. But the same would apply to any animal. So the Mishnah says, Echad shurv, echad kol Whether it be an ox or whether it be any animal, the law is the same in filas habar when it comes to an animal falling into a pit, like we just explained. And distancing one's animals from Sinai, when the Torah was given, Hashem warned that all of the animals have to be distanced from the mountain. So even though the word used there is behemoth, a domesticated animal, the same applies to a more wild animal as well, or a bird as well. kefel, and the requirement upon a thief who steals something to pay back double. He has to pay back the item plus its value. That's a fine which the thief is given. Returning a lost item if someone loses their animal, regardless of what animal it is, the one who finds it is obligated to return it to its owner. If Frika, there's an obligation when one sees his friend unloading his donkey, then he should help him. And even though the Torah talks about a donkey, that applies to any animal. There's a prohibition of putting a muzzle on one's ox whilst the ox is working in the field. Whilst the ox is working, one cannot stop it eating the produce as it's going along. And this mission is telling us that, that applies to all animals, like kilayim. Kilayim refers to the prohibition of mixing together two animals, either making two animals work together by pulling a wagon, for example, or by ploughing together, let's say, an ox and a donkey. So these animals work at different paces, and it is prohibited to work the two animals together doing the same thing. That's one type of kilayim. Another type of kilayim is to interbreed the animals. To get two different species to interbreed, that is also forbidden, and that applies to all animals. But a Shabbos and the prohibition of allowing one's animal to do work on Shabbos, that also applies to all animals, says the Mishnah. Similarly, a wild animal or a bird would have the same laws, even though in many of these cases the Torah specified domesticated animals. In Cain, if so, asks the Mishnah, Why does the Torah talk specifically about an ox or a donkey or a domesticated animal? The answer is, the Torah talked about a regular common case where the law would apply to all animals. The last half of the previous parak talked about the category of damage called bur, and the first half of the parak, as well as the previous parak, talked about keren, goring when an animal does a damage in a way that it is intending to do the damage. So keren is one subcategory of shur. 
damage done by one's animals. And the first half of this peric discusses the other two ways that an animal can do damage, and that is Shane and Regal. Shane is when the animal eats, or it damages in a way that it benefits from the damage. And Regal is when an animal just walks, and as it's doing its normal thing, it also causes damage whilst it is doing it. Now, at the end of the fourth peric, we saw an argument as to what level of guarding, what level of shmira is necessary when it comes to an animal for the damage of Keren. And we learned that there are two different levels of guarding. There's that what is known as shmira ma'ula, which is the higher level of guarding, and shmira pachusa, which is a lower level of guarding. You have to be concerned for fewer occurrences, and you only have to guard it from something which is considered to be regular that it would occur. Now, everybody agrees regarding Shin and Regel that only a Shmir Pachusa is necessary. That is learned from Psukim, and because of that, the Mishnah tells us that Hakunis Tzon Ladir, one who brings his flock, his sheep, into a deer, which is an enclosure where animals are kept, that's where the sheep would graze within a limited area, and he locked the door in front of her in a fitting way, on a Shmir Pachusa level. And that means that the fence or the wall which he put there cannot be blown away or knocked down by a common wind. It would take an unusually strong wind to knock this down. So he has fulfilled the level of guarding which is necessary. And therefore, Vyotsa if somehow the animal managed to go out and do damage after that, Potter, the owner of the animal, would be exempt because he's not responsible for that. He did what he needs to do. Now, it's not so simple. If he found out and he knew that his animal had escaped, and he has enough time to go and fetch his animal and bring it back and make sure it doesn't do damage, so then he would be obligated to do that, and if he doesn't do that, he would be liable to pay for the damages. But we're talking about a case where perhaps he didn't know, didn't yet hear about the fact that his animal had escaped, so in that case he would be exempt. However, if he didn't lock the door, he didn't place a door there, which is good enough to meet the requirements of Shmir Pachusa, the of Ezika, and then the animal went out and did damage, Chayev, the owner, would be liable to pay for the damages. Now what happens if he did do a Shmir Pachusa and Nifritza Balayla, a breach, a hole is made in the wall in the middle of the night, or thieves made the hole in the wall, the of Ezikam, because of that the animal managed to go out and do damage, Potter, the owner of the animal once again is exempt because he's not responsible for this and he did the Shmir Pachusa which is necessary. Now the thieves themselves, they're the ones who caused the damage, they made a hole in the wall and an animal went out and did damage because of them. However, they are exempt for the damage as well, because it's not their animal. So it's true they caused the damage, but they caused it indirectly. And one is not obligated to pay for damage which he caused by Groma in an indirect way. Unless he owns the animal. If he owns the animal, then he's obligated to guard the animal. And if he, does, if he doesn't guard it, so he's liable to pay for the damages because the animal belongs to him. But if the animal doesn't belong to him, then he would not be liable for the damages which the animal does because he caused it only indirectly. However, that having been said, if the thieves took out the animal, so by taking hold of the animal, they actually acquire the animal. That is the law. When someone steals something, they are considered to be the part owner of that item. There are certain ramifications, of course, they don't actually own the animal, and they're obligated to return the animal to its real owner. But there is some sort of acquisition which the thief has, and that is enough to obligate the thief to now guard the animal. And if the animal does damage, then Halistim Chayovim, the thieves, would be the ones who are liable to pay for the damages. Mission base. If somebody puts a fence around the field where the animals are, and the fence is able to stand there with a usual wind, 
So in general, that would be considered to be a shmir pachusa. And if the animal still manages to do damage, the owner would be exempt. But what happens if he put that fence there, but then in Nichobachama, he left his sheep there in the sun on a very hot day, and that's going to cause the animals to get more agitated, and they are likely to knock the fence down themselves. So in such a case, that fence is no longer considered strong enough, because it's considered expected that the fence is going to end up being knocked down. Or if the owner of the animal gave his animal to a deaf and dumb person or a fool or a child to look after, so these people are not considered responsible enough to look after it. And he has to expect that it's going to end up doing damage, and therefore if in any of these cases the animal goes out and does damage, Chayev, the owner, would be liable to pay for the damages because he did not guard it on a sufficient level. If he gave over the animal to a shepherd to guard it for him, the shepherd becomes responsible instead of him, and we now look at the shepherd as being the owner, as it were. He is the one who is now properly in control of the animals, and therefore if the animal does damage, the shepherd is the only one to blame. Now we already learned earlier on, at the end of the fourth Perek, that if somebody gives his animal to someone to guard it, then the guard is now the one who is fully responsible. So what is this Mishnah adding? The Gemara explains we're talking about a case where the shepherd gave it over to another shepherd. Another shepherd who is his student, he's learning how to be a shepherd from him, so he gives him these animals for him to look after. So in general, if somebody is guarding something for someone else, so the owner gave it to him to guard, not to anybody else, and so he would be forbidden to give it to someone else to guard instead of him. It's not his animal that he has the right to do that. However, this mission is coming to tell us that in this case, where the owner anyway would expect the shepherd to perhaps give it over to his student, to the one learning how to be a shepherd, it's considered something very expected. In that case, the second shepherd would enter and become fully responsible instead of the first shepherd, and it would be the second shepherd who would be liable and not the first shepherd at all. Continues the Mishnah, what happens if Nofla Lagina, an animal falls into a garden where there is produce there, it's a small field even, and there's produce there. Now the actual falling into the garden is not considered a regular occurrence, and the owner is exempt for the actual falling into the garden, the entry into the garden. The question is, is he liable to pay for the produce which the animal eats after that? The answer is no. The Torah says that when does the obligation, when does the liability for Shane and Regal apply? Only if If he sends his animal and his animal eats or his animal damages via Regal in another person's field. So the Torah specifies that it has to be that the entry into the field, we can blame the owner for it. It's considered as if he sent his animal there. But if the animal's entry into the field was out of the owner's control, then even the damage which it does after that, the animal is exempt, the owner of the animal will be exempt for paying for that. Just like Shane and Regel are exempt in a public domain, so too in the Nizik's domain, if the owner is not responsible for the entry into that domain, he would be exempt. However, just like regarding Shane and Regel, which, which occur in a public domain, although the owner is exempt for paying for the damage, he is still liable to pay for the amount that the animal gained. So if the animal managed to have lunch in the other person's field, and because of that, the owner now doesn't need to give it lunch, so the amount that the owner would have had to pay in order to give the animal lunch, that is how much the owner would have to pay the nizuk, the one who owns the field or the garden. Yes, the Mishra says, Venenes, if the animal gains benefit, for example, it eats the produce in that garden, the owner would have to pay for the benefit. 
On the other hand, Yorda Kedarka Vizika, if the animal went in its usual way down to the garden, to this small field, Vizika, and it did damage over there, then Mishalem is Zika. Then the owner would have to pay for the actual damage, because he is responsible also for the entry into the garden. Of course, we're talking about a case where the owner was not, did not fulfill his requirement to guard it on the level of a Shmira Pachusa. Now, when an animal eats some produce in a field, there are two different ways which we could look at the damage which he did. We could say he damaged the fruit, the actual thing which the animal consumed. Alternatively, we could look at this damage as damage done to the field. The field had lots of produce on it, and now it has less produce, so this field is now worth less. However, the amounts, when you're calculating this, would come out different. If you sell individual fruit in the marketplace, so it would cost a lot more than the amount that this large field went down in value because it's missing a few fruit. So the question is, how do you evaluate how much this person has to pay? In what way does the mazik pay for that which the animal damaged? It is learnt from Psukim that we are lenient. So we go with the second option. We evaluate the area of a base in that field. We don't take the entire field. We take a certain area, a fixed area of a base in that field. How much it was worth before the produce was eaten or before the animal damaged via regel, by stepping on produce, and how much it's worth now, and the amount that the field went down, that is how much the mazik would need to pay. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon says, I agree with you. However, Ochopes Gemurim says Rabbi Shimon, if the animal ate fully ripe fruit which are ready to be harvested, then we no longer look at that as being damaged towards the field. Now the fruit is something within itself. It has significance within itself, and therefore in that case, the owner would have to pay for the full fruit in Sa'ar Sa'ar. If it ate a Sa'ar of fruit, then the owner would pay a, for the sa'ah of fruit, it was sa'ayim, If it ate two sa'ah, it would pay two sa'ah. The point is, you're now paying for the fruit and not for the damage done to the field. Right, Mishnah Gimel. This Mishnah is very similar to a couple of Mishnahs which we saw in the previous parak, but we'll see there's a slight difference. One who piles up a stack of his grain in somebody else's field without his permission. And then, the animal belonging to the owner of the field comes and he eats that grain. Potter, the owner of the animal, is exempt because the damage took place in the domain of the mazik. And the mazik can turn around to the person whose grain was damaged and eaten up by his animal, and he can say, why did you put your grain in my field? Now you're coming and claiming that you want to be paid. So the mazik would be exempt. If the animal was damaged, he was the animal was injured by the stack of grain. For example, if it ended up slipping or tripping on that grain, then the owner of the grain stack would be liable to pay for those damages. However, if he made that stack of grain with the permission of the owner of the field, then then the owner of the field would be liable to pay if his animal eats up that stack of grain. And this is even according to the opinion of Rebbe, who in the previous parak said that when someone gives permission for somebody else to bring something into his property, we don't assume that he takes responsibility at all. However, in this case, Rebbe agrees. The reason being that anyway, what people would generally do then is they would have lots of stacks of grain in their field, and they would appoint a guard to watch over the stacks of grain, make sure nothing happens to them. So since anyway there would be a guard watching over it, when the owner of the field allows this person to come in and put his grain there, then it's assumed that he does accept that his guard is going to guard that as well. And so that, in that case, even Rebbe would agree that if the animal belonging to the owner of the field eats up the grain, then he would be liable to pay for the damages.